0: Hello and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. My name's Ken. real alcoholic. Hi, Ken. Hi you guys. <laughs> and I am tickled shitless to be vertical and making sense this morning. What a gift. What a gift. And uh, thank you for asking me to uh, talk about step three a little bit. It's a huge, huge step for me personally. And uh, I love to be in step three as much as I can. So step three um, says made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Now, why does that make sense? Why did they put that there at three? Well, let's see where we've gotten so far. We're uh, step one, uh, which says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, but our lives have become unmanageable. Now, uh, Chuck C. interpreted that by saying, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, physical. I'm a physical loser. I've been defeated physically by alcohol and alcoholism. I can't handle it physically. It beats me up. That our lives had become unmanageable, mental, I am defeated mentally. I cannot run my own life because I have alcoholism. And we've heard in great detail about ego and self and how alcoholism uses ego and self to make that happen. My life is unmanageable by me. I cannot do it and stay alive. So I have been crushed, as we just heard. I am Big time loser, physical and mental. And then step two comes along. We just heard about that from Randy. And now, I, if I'm doing step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, coming to believe happened for me the only way it could have happened. I'm a scientist. So that God stuff is just out of the question. I'm sorry. You know, that's in the category of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. It's just all made-up stuff. And now I have alcoholism, and now you're pushing God right in my face and saying, you better deal with this, Ken. So the only way I know how to deal with it, and this is the, the wonder of this program, is the people around me, including Bob Anderson, guided me to deal with alcoholism the way I know how to deal with things, and that's through experiment. Just try it. You learn through experience that there is some kind of power outside of me or inside of me, wherever it is, but if I give up and just get quiet and listen for a second, some kind of direction comes. It's intuitive thought or where, I don't know where, from, but something comes, and if I follow that, I get better. And I learned that. I paid attention to what happened to me. I did these stupid things you suggested, and good things happened. I said, aha, uh-huh. maybe I'll try that again. And so that's what happened with me, coming to believe that a power other than myself, a power greater than myself, a power different from myself, is solving my problem. What was my problem? I can't stop drinking once I start. That's the craving. And I can't prevent myself from starting drinking when I'm stone cold sober. That's the obsession. So I can't stop when I start and I can't prevent myself from starting. Big time loser. My life is unmanageable. So that's the sanity part. That It's here, believe me. (laughs) It's here, uh, in step two, the, the first paragraph in the 12 and 12. Bob, Bob Anderson and I used to go around and around about this. <laughs> the fourth sentence says, having reduced us to a state of absolute helplessness, that's step one, you now declare that none but a higher power can remove our obsession. Power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So restoring to sanity is remove our obsession according to the first part of uh, the twelve and twelve step two in the back it says uh, sanity is defined as soundness of mind. So that's a bigger picture issue of that. So I have this insanity which I'm looking at as the obsession to drink and the uh, craving once I start drinking to not be able to stop. And a power greater than myself is fixing that problem if I will just shut up and listen and pay attention to what happens and I. That happens every time I do that experiment. So I'm learning uh, by experiment uh, that step two works. So now we get to step three, and I'm gonna I'm being asked to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to this power, whatever it is, um, as I understand this power, which I'm increasingly coming to understand minute by minute right now, understanding it even better, as Randy described. Uh, because I'm getting more and more evidence. I'm hearing evidence from you, which I can now accept and incorporate into myself. And I'm seeing more and more evidence myself. So, so that's why step three is there. Uh, it's just in the right place. It says we discovered that, wow, there's something that helps us with this deadly problem we've got. So let's make a decision. Why does it say make a decision? Why doesn't it just say we turned our will and our lives over? Well, I think that recognizes human nature. You know, I hear something good in a, a lecture someplace or on the radio and I say, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to do that. And 10 minutes later, I forgot it. Or, like Randy was saying, I'm into myself and, and I, it just, it's on my list of things to remember, but I sure didn't remember it at the right time. You know what? So I make a decision. This is very carefully and brilliantly worded. Make a decision. Okay, I can keep making a decision and not feel guilty that I already did it and then screwed up. So it lets me ease into this thing. Um, Step three is the strategic thing to do given steps one and two, if I want to stay sober. It's in the right place, and it's the right thing to do. Make a decision, turn my will and my life over to this power that I'm discovering uh, allows me to be tickled shitless this morning. It's incredible. Um, I want to read something out of the 12 and 12 here. It says... Practicing step three is like the opening of a door, which to all appearances is still closed and locked. That's the higher power on the other side of the door. All we need is a key and a decision to swing the door open. There's only one key and it's called willingness. And the willingness comes from being, had the snot being out of me continuously. And every time I try to control and enjoy my drinking, it gets worse. I did that experiment, thanks to you guys. I came to your ANA place and did what you said and and heard what you said. You said, if you don't think you're an alcoholic, why don't you try some simple experiments? I love that word. Try some controlled drinking. And I did that. And I ended up 12 days later in an emergency room, almost dead from acute alcohol toxicity continuously drunk the whole time. And the harder I tried to not drink that day, the faster I drank and the stronger the stuff I drank. That obsession really had me by the short hairs. So that experience convinced me that maybe step one is appropriate to me. So that's what gave me the willingness, the fear of dying, gave me the willingness To grab the line, the life preserver that was thrown to me. To look, to open that door. So I have the key. Step one and two gave me the key. I've got the key. And the door is there. But nothing's going to happen. Until I have the willingness to put the key in the door and open it. So I have to make the decision. And then follow that with action. But the the way I'm built, and I think the writers of this chapter understood that, the way I'm built is once I make a decision, I start to carry it out. That's just how I am. Well, I made a decision. I I don't just put it on the shelf. I start to carry it out. And so I started to do that. And exactly what happened to me is stated right here. It it, it was wonderful what happened when that door opened a little bit. But self-will said, nah, nah, Slammed it shut. Nah. Now, that's too dangerous, it's too risky, it's all probably imaginary, you're probably hallucinating. That's all crap. Stay away from that, it's dangerous. This is highly trained scientific mind making judgments and trying to run my life like it had for 30 odd years before I got here. That's what kills a lot of the alcoholics, and I know that because I get to work with a bunch of people that are in my business and they die. A lot of them die from self-will that leads them back to the bottom. Now, why is that important? It says here at the bottom of the first page in 12 and 12, the effectiveness of the whole AA program will rest upon how well and earnestly we have tried to come to a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand it. This is serious stuff. Step three is big. My mind was saying, that's a really dumb thing. I mean, if you turn your will, can if you turn your will and your life over, your will and your life, well, that's like everything. My will, myself, my free will, self-will. Now, you know, what I do in business is... Uh, is there some of it is creative thought and that comes from me that comes from my training and my background and if I turn my will and my life over to something that may not even exist that's out the window and then I'm going to lose my job and now my family's out on the street is that what you want sponsor is that what you want to happen that's what's going to happen if I do step three (laughs) that was a tough night um It says here uh, in the 12 and 12, if I keep on turning my life and my will over to the care of somebody or something else, what will become of me? I'll look like the hole in the donut. Zero. Empty space. The more we become willing to depend on a higher power, the more independent we actually are. What? What? I'm going to turn into a zero, empty space, and you're telling me that if I do this, the opposite is going to happen. I'm going to have more independence than I had before I did that. That's one of the paradoxes of the program, and dozens of people in this room can raise their hands and say, that is what happens. So if you're new, take faith in... Just look around the room and see that that is actually what happens to us if we if we do step three. So don't let that slow you down. Probably will anyway. but Don't let it slow you down. <laughs> what um what I want to share with you here, um, is a personal experience with step three. I, obviously, with my background and, and outlook on life, I had a huge problem with step three. Huge. Uh, it was a couple of years, uh, that I was struggling with it and I kept talking to guys in the meetings I was going to and finally somebody said, Ken, why don't you try an experiment? They're brilliant, these guys. They say, why don't you tomorrow, when you're at work, why don't you just take something that is pretty important, but not, uh, you know, critical and just turn that over to your higher power whatever you think your higher power is and then leave it there for a while and just pay attention and watch what happens to it so the next day i did that um it was about noon and i was sitting at my desk and and i uh i had uh something in my mailbox that that morning it was a stack of papers that said that i have to write a report for our whole division uh, and it was due in a couple of weeks and I was already overwhelmed with, you know, writing and stuff. And then uh, I had a problem with uh, employment. I had an open position in my lab, and I, I had advertised for a laboratory assistant, and I'd already reviewed and interviewed uh, several people. And uh, the two top contenders, I just couldn't make a decision about them. One of them was really well qualified, and the other one was the dean's son. And I was hanging fire on that. And third was we were running out of money for research. And that was a problem. So I said, okay, higher power, whatever you are, if you're there, you can have all this stuff. And I just kind of closed my office door and I turned around for a few minutes and I just sat there and closed my eyes and just stayed quiet for a little bit. And then I turned around and uh, got back to doing whatever was in front of me on my desk and I didn't pay any attention to those three things that I turned over to my higher power. Uh, after lunch, about 1.30 or so, a secretary popped her head in my office. She said, have you seen a stack of papers about an annual report for the division? I lost it. I think it might have got put in your mailbox by mistake. I said, you mean this? And she said, yeah, let me have that. And about two hours after that, a guy popped his head into my office and said, I hear you've got a job opening. I said, well, I had a job opening. I've already gone through uh, all the interviews and stuff. And he said, oh, could you just look at my resume? And I said, okay. Being (laughs) open-minded. Okay. And he was fabulous, and I hired him on the spot. And then just before 5 o'clock, a guy from Boston University calls. He said, we got the NSF grant for $85,000. And my mind realized what happened. That I'd set up an experiment at noon that day, and by 5 o'clock that day, all of those things that I had turned over were taken care of. And my mind raced at the speed of a black hole. To take credit for all of those. (laughs) The sad thing is that I have one of those alcoholic minds. I could do it. I could figure a way that I could take credit for all of those events, but I would have to be dishonest <coughs> to myself. And higher power seemed to say, okay, Ken, I'm dumping this in your lap. You asked for it, here it is. And you can believe it or not believe it, depending on how much you are willing to lie to yourself. And I wasn't willing to lie to myself. So I had my own personal evidence that step three works now. And I've been able to do that a whole bunch of times since then, turn over bigger and bigger stuff. I've had to turn over my career uh, because I was going nuts trying to manage it, and I was going to drink. Guys in my meeting saw that. They said, you got to turn that over, Ken. I said, you don't understand about my career. I ended up having to turn it over. I had to turn over uh, the raising of my two boys. I had to turn over my marriage. I've had to turn over all the really big stuff in my life. And it has come back many fold. In a completely unexpected, unimaginable solution. My higher power's got way more solutions than I can even imagine. If I just let them have it, it just comes back in spades. It's just an amazing thing. But it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had the willingness to try a stupid experiment that one of you guys suggested. So uh, today, because I have the kind of mind that Randy was talking about, and Bill, uh, and Michael, I have to do this every single day, many times a day. The first thing I do in the morning after relieving myself in the toilet getting out of bed is I get down and I say to myself steps one, two, and three personal and present tense. I am powerless over alcohol and nicotine. My life is unmanageable by me. I know that a power greater than myself is restoring me to sanity. I turn my will and my life over to that power, praying only for knowledge of its will for me, and the power to carry that out. I need to pray for the power to carry it out because I'm not going to agree with his will for me. I can think of a better way. Uh, I'm not going to do his will unless he gives me the power to do it as well. as His guidance. The the uh, 12 and 12 ends the discussion of step 3 with the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change You, the courage to change the things I can, me, and the wisdom to know the difference between you and me. That's one way that it was interpreted to me, the serenity prayer. It is my introduction into the problem. I need to be reminded daily, more than daily, usually, that I am powerless over alcohol. It damn near killed me. It put me in an emergency room and the doctor said, Less than 50% chance we could save this one. And I shouldn't be here. But I'm here. To share with you about step three. That it works. Just my personal evidence. Um, if you're new and you've just been through step three. There's a really simple one sentence way. Of saying steps one, two, and three. It goes like this. I can't. He can't. Let him do it. That's been really useful for me. I can do that while I'm on the phone talking to somebody who's saying stuff I don't want to hear or asking me to do something I don't want to do. I'll just say, excuse me a second. I can't, he can't. Let him do it. Uh, and and then pause for a second and let higher power talk to me for three seconds. And my response is invariably different than the one that my mind said I should should tell this person. These are very useful things. This room is full of little solutions like that. If you're new here, keep coming back. These things, you don't have to get them all today. People are here. that They'll keep giving you this stuff five, ten times a day like Bob used to do. That's why he was so repetitive. We're very thick-headed. <laughs> That's all I have to say about three Thank right. you. In the doctor's opinion, he states they make many resolutions, but never a decision. Please comment. Yeah. Um, doctor's opinion, the big book, right at the front. He's talking about alcoholics making resolutions. But I, I think... That the definition of decision that he used in that writing was the man in the streets definition of a decision that is what I was saying before when I make a decision I start to carry it out and what he was saying is that these these alcoholics make resolutions and then they don't do anything about it (laughs) and what he means is they never that the decision they never made a decision they never did anything okay but I think they made decisions I think they made decisions to make a resolution they decided to make a resolution I resolve never to drink again I resolve never to drink hard stuff I resolve to drink beer only I resolve to drink only natural wines or I'll resolve only to drink on weekends whatever those things are all in chapter three. Um, and so I, I think it's just that's a semantic thing, and um, I think what the what the doctor was saying is that they don't they, they they make resolutions but they don't carry them out. Well, they can't because they're using the warp machine to try to carry them out, and the warp machine is going to change it. It goes in here and comes out different. No, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll quit drinking tomorrow. Right now, we need to have something to so we can think more clearly or deal with this. two questions does turning over mean doing nothing i thought that myself when i was new that was my my understanding it, you know if i don't power it if i don't decide and then carry it out nothing will happen and that's not the way we work this program What we do is to turn it over and then pay attention. And we pay attention for the message that's going to come. It it can come to me in a whole variety of ways. I can be walking down the sidewalk or through the hallway and overhear somebody. And just a snippet of a conversation is God telling me something. Things that are on my desk, things that are in my way, things that are uh, in the highway on the way to work. If I'm open-minded and I'll come to an intersection and I'll say, okay, higher power, which way should I turn? I know in general that I'm supposed to go off over towards the north, but the exact route, I'm open-minded about that. Okay, if the light's red, I turn right. If I can, there's no opposing traffic. If the light's green, I go ahead. That's what higher power's telling me. Signs like that. Now, I may get directed that way to stop, to see somebody, a broken down car with an AA sticker on the bumper on the side of the road. I'm supposed to help them. I'm just trying to be God's agent. It doesn't mean that I just sit down and wait for something to happen. No, turning it over means I continue, but my direction comes from something other than my, my head. And the difference between willingness and wanting Is that correct? Wanting? Uh, The difference between willingness and and wanting. Okay. Willpower. And willpower. Oh, willpower. Yeah, that's a different question. Um, One of my sponsors said, if if this is about God's will and my will, how do I know the difference? God's will goes downhill on greased skids. It just goes by itself. My will, I have to grit my teeth, furrow my brow, lean forward, clench my fists, and push and make it go. That's my will. If it's just going by itself, it's God's will. All i got to do is watch, follow along behind if it's going to benefit me, it's my will. If I'm doing it without any projection about whether it's good or bad for me personally or my family, it could be God's will. Um, if I try to address this question as I read it here, willingness the difference between willingness and wanting, I think there are elements that are the same. I think willingness comes from wanting to stay alive. And I become willing to do some of the silly things you're suggesting that I do. Turn things over, for example. Not a good idea in my mind. And I I get there because I am willing and that came from wanting to stay alive. So I don't see a big difference there. In the morning... After steps one, two, and three, do, do you meditate? Yes. If so, how do you pray, prayer, and which prayers? Okay. If so, then how do you pray, and which prayers? Prayer is different from meditation. If I'm meditating, I'm not praying. Um, I'll give you some specific examples. Uh, what I do first thing in the morning as I'm down on the floor now, I have, uh, some prescribed, uh, physical therapy that I need to do because I'm getting old and things are falling apart. So it takes me about a half an hour to do that. And during that time I pray, as, and I've already told you, first serenity prayer. Second, steps one, two, and three, personal and present tense. And step eleven. Third, uh, After I pray for those people, then I have a prayer that goes like this. I'm praying for people. It goes like this. I pray for Patty, Mark, Eric, Kelly, Sid, Hal, Eric, Phil, Jim, Bob, Daniel, Dan, Rick, Jeff, John, Joe, Amy, Carol, Marie, Jack, Marie, Mike, Phyllis, Ernie, Georgia, Eric, Ted, Mike, George, Clay, Ray, Sid, Steve, Walter, Matthew, Ben, Basil, Dave, Pat, Ed, Bill, Sterling. It goes on. Currently, 174 names are on that list. Somebody in a meeting told me they did that. And this was concurrent with my sponsor, who in response to me telling him that, that son of a bitch in the meeting, that old-timer, he really insulted me, and I think you ought to do something about it. He said, okay, I suggest you pray for him. He said, wait a minute, Uh, you didn't hear what I said. (laughs) He said, pray for him. And so, and then I heard later in that same meeting this guy talk about this prayer list he had. He said, you know, he started out with family and friends and then put people that he had to pray for because his dumb old sponsor said pray for. And then people that he worked with and people whose lives were, were touched by him and he was touched by theirs. And so that's what I've done. And you know, I put people that were real, real un, un-nice, unhappy people on there. And within two weeks, I was hugging them. How does that work? What's going on there? They're still on the list. A lot of people that have passed, including Bob. (laughs) A lot of people uh, that have passed, including Bob and uh, two of my former sponsors are uh, on that list still. Why? Well, first, it's too hard to edit the list. I couldn't remember. Uh, Second, I don't know what happens. I think they just, we've heard before, I'm not afraid of transitioning either and go into the other side and shaking hands with these guys at the big meeting in the sky. I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, And so I'm fine with that. So they stay on the list. So those are my prayers. Now the meditation is, see, I'm doing stuff because I have one of those active minds that just isn't real cool. I mean, it can sit still for 10 or 15 minutes and just just sit still and listen, just listen, just listen. That's all, just listen. That's all meditation is for me. Just listen. Uh, but I do that in the morning while i'm exercising. I take long walks uh, active walks, and i'm meditating I'm just part of the time I can close my eyes because I know where I am and and I can just walk and listen and pay attention and and I take a little three by five card with me because higher power talks to me while I'm doing that, and I stop and write down things that that I get intuitive intuitive thoughts. But I think the most important, most useful kind of meditation is instantaneous right now meditation. And I talked about that a second ago. I'm on the phone. Somebody says something that's, I'm not sure the answer. Excuse me a second. I make some noise so they can hear I'm rustling paper. I stop. And something comes to me and my response will invariably be different. I can do that in the middle of a conversation with you. I can do that while I'm driving and just ready to get the gun out and show this asshole who's driving in my lane. I can do that many times. A little red flag comes up now. The gut tightens. Red flag comes up. Stop. Restraint in tongue Hold it.
1: I'm Daniel, I'm an alcoholic,
0: Daniel.
1: and um, it's very, very nice to be here, um, it's nice to be with all my my people and my friends, Mon- you know, going to Monday night, the men's stag, is, uh, you know, one of my favourite times of the week, actually, it's just driving from wherever I'm driving to, getting, you know, w- within about, I think, 10 or 15 minutes of getting into... That valley area my mind starts calming down and I, it's it's a it's a weird thing but um, i uh I'm gonna talk about step four which is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves um, I've heard so much good stuff this morning and, uh, and I've been trying to really listen and the best way for me to listen is to ask my higher power to help me to listen because I can't do it on my own, you know, and uh, my struggle this morning so far has been going back and forth between what I'm going to say when I'm up here and and listening to what's going on right now, you know, um, but, uh you know, I wanted to read this one bit, which is actually in step three in how it works, um, which I think it's really appropriate if I'm going to be talking about step four to read this and it It basically says selfishness, self-centeredness. And I'm going to put it in the eye. That, I think, is the root of my troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity, I step on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt me, seemingly without provocation. But I invariably find that at some point, at some time in the past, I've made decisions based on self. Which later placed me in a position to be hurt, be hurt, and then it must read the next line. So, my troubles, I think, are basically of my own making, and that's a very tough pill to swallow. and And I, I've read that paragraph a lot. I've been sober for about nine years now, and I've been, I'm 32, and I've, I've been coming to AA since I was 16, and I've heard and read this paragraph a bunch of times, and and I never read it like it was for me and my life, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a big, uh, finger pointer and a blamer and, uh, a lot of the blame in my life is being put on my family, you know, my, my mom, my dad, my sister, um, everybody else, but definitely not me. And this sort of cuts all the, the bullshit out of the equation. It tells me what the problem is right here in this, uh, in this paragraph, you know, um, and it's saying that it comes from self, you know, up here, the warper, you know. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to share that because it helps me reading that if I'm if I'm gonna do an inventory of uh, uh a fearless moral inventory. Um and uh last last inventory I did, the the fourth step was out of something called the Big Book Awakening, and it was uh I found it to be a really good format. It was, it was really lengthy and, and the biggest struggle for me about the fourth step is just my resistance to it. You know, it's, it's what my head tells me about it. You know, it's going to be brutal and painful and long and boring and I hate writing and all those old ideas. And, uh, for me go, going into a, a fourth step, I, uh, I need a couple of things. I mean, I need willingness. Um, but I also, when I, when I start the writing, I really need to uh, have a power in my life, a, a higher power, you know. Um, I can't see the truth about my resentments, you know. I, I just can't do it. And on the back page of this uh, big book, Awakening Fourth Step, it, it said, uh, right at the top, it says, God, please help me see the truth about my resentments. And uh, the truth for me is it's nothing to do with the other person, you know. Um, they might be not very nice. They they might be... Uh, um, they might, you know, they're just like me, they're, they're probably um, a bit sick too. Um, but resentment for me is a real soul sickness, you know. It's something that I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for my resentment, you know. Um, and that... I'll, I'll just I'll just share one example from from my own experience, which is with my mum you know i mean that's that's my biggest resentment over over the ever since i was you know started using and drinking you know even before then you know it's like my mum's is like really smothering like controlling um down on me the whole time and uh when i when I went out and just did the craziest stuff with, with drugs and alcohol in my teenage years, it was because of that woman, you know, that I did all that stuff, you know. And that was a firmly ingrained belief. And and the miracle about going through all this stuff is um when I was uh I think it was a couple of years ago, um my mum comes up to me, we're on vacation somewhere and uh over Christmas and she says to me, you know, like I'm, I'm really sorry for the way I act. Is, you know, she's she's make she's in the program too, and she's making amends, and she's going on saying how neurotic she is and all this stuff. And I, I sort of stop her halfway through her saying all this stuff, and uh, I say that this is uh you don't need to change, mum. It's it's this me who needs to change, you know. Where did that come from, you know? Like me pointing the finger at her. I mean, that's where the problem is, guys. You know, it it's it's here, you know, I'm I'm pointing my finger at it right now, you know. Um I'm the uh, chaos creator in, in my life, you know. So just to quickly uh, I'll bounce around a bit, but just to quickly describe my life. I've got an amazing life, just like Randy was saying, I I've got a beautiful life today. Um and uh, my head, my alcoholism Will, uh, it'll piss all over it, you know. Um, it's, it's so important for me to stay close to this message and to be around you guys because my disease is so powerful. The past, um, two days, I, uh, I've let work take priority over my program again, and that's put me in a spot of being ungrateful, and, and it's crazy to me. Like, the minute, and judgmental as well. So, that's, you know, the, the four step really, Going, going through the process has helped me, um, helped me see a few things. So, a lot of, a lot of my resentments, um, when I went through my last four step were stemming from the fact that I'm a people pleaser. And, and as Randy liked to say, you know, like I'm not actually a people pleaser, I'm a self pleaser. So I like to say I'm an approval seeker, if any of that makes sense. Um, so, I, um, in a, Doing this approval-seeking or or people-pleasing, my head sort of tells me that I'm a nice guy, I'm just, but really underneath it all, because I'm disconnected from a power, I'm just trying to get what I want, you know. Um, and later on in the fourth step, after my resentments, when I did my fear inventory, the the two, I mean, I had many many fears, but they were all down to that, you know, the fact that. I'm going to lose something that I've got, or I'm not going to get something that I want you know and when I am connected and I'm in the sunlight of the spirit and i'm and I'm with the power and i'm I'm living in honesty, that sort of goes out of the picture because it's like so what you were just saying it's it's beautiful like and what Randy was saying i mean god's my high power has got something way better for me than my wants or fantasies or or whatever it is and and really what stems from them is a really painful life, you know um my wants and what I try and push and shove for, you know. So um I guess this the first time I, I went around the full step it was it was really cool. But the the second time um I got to see a lot more stuff. I got to see that massive character defect that I have um which is this uh need for people's approval and uh and um I see it come up a lot these days in work, actually, because work's really important to me. My career's really important to me, and um, it's a it's a practice for me to bring my program of AA into work, you know, into the workplace, and it's a practice for me to bring my um, you know AA program and a power greater than myself into. My sex life and relationships with women, relationships with friends, you know. Although I find it easier with friends than I do with women, you know. Um, but um, so anyway, I guess I guess I just mainly wanted to say, you know, with regards to resentments, the big uh, the big light that's gone on for me, I guess over the past few years is, is that I I I, I want to point the finger and I want to blame you know, but I can't, you know, and, and, it, and I, either I'm going to take this stuff, which is written in the big book, I'm either going to take it seriously, like it's real, like it's the truth for my life, or I'm just going to gloss over it from time to time, and it's going to go in one ear and out the other, and to tell you the truth, I mean, being here and listening to all you guys, it's really overwhelming, because there's so much information, and there's so much stuff, and really the best thing I, I can do, like sitting down, is to just try and practice this stuff right here, right now. You know, that's the best thing I learned from coming to um you know, primetime meetings in general actually was just the fact that it is right here right now. Because I'm 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 gonna walk out of this room, go down to my room and you know start playing on Facebook, you know, like i um, this is right here right now. So um I uh let me see so maybe searching for this morning stuff. let me let me skip forward here a bit something that I actually wanted to um, talk about was the, the the sex life part of the of the inventory because um, I've been single for about I, I mean I haven't been in a serious relationship with a with a girl for about I think about five years now and I've dated different girls and stuff like that but um, another big resentment for me in this um, last four step was my ex-girlfriend now I'll tell you why Um, it's because I was just joking I'm not going to tell you it's not really important is it like but the But what I had to see is, like, in that relationship, I was a taker. I was such a taker. I I stopped going to... You know, I pretty much stopped going to meetings. I was in a constant state of fear. And again, I couldn't see my insanity around the whole thing. I mean, I was just completely oblivious to it. Everything was her fault, you know. If she would just act this way, then I would be okay. You know, if she would just give me a bit more love, if she wanted to have sex with me a bit more, if she would just, just... behave the way I wanted to behave, you know, then I'd be fine, you know, and we'd, we'd be happy. Um, and that's my delusion. And really, you know, a good chunk of the fourth step for me is uncovering those delusions and those lies, you know, that I tell myself, you know. Um, and so that was a, another big one. And it's really good for me to see it this time around, and to go through my part and the resentment. Now, as I said, like, what I got to see I was, I was a taker. I was I was believing my own lies. I was blaming again. And um, but the biggest thing that I, I from 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 the sex stuff and and sex is actually like a a real tricky part for me. And, and like in now today in sobriety, sex and relationships. That's something that I really want to you know find some some healing and some recovery around because it's it's a uh, it's, it's really tricky stuff, you know. Um, and my instinct for that is like, you know, warped, you know, which it talks about in the twelve and twelve. Are, you know, it says our instincts are warped, and I, are, you know, my my instincts are warped, you know. Um, so when I wrote out my um, my sex ideal this time, something that really hit me actually a while back was a friend of mine. I'm not going to mention his name. um uh, with regards to relationships is he says that he just constantly gives he constantly gives with no expectation in in return you know and wow, is that so backwards to the way I think you know well what am I going to get you know what's in it for me you know and uh that's the way I've been thinking my whole life, and I tell you that that thinking has caused me to slice my wrists open. It's caused me to bang a head on my rock in a river because I thought that would send me off and I would just drown. You know, it's caused me to try and overdose. I mean, that thinking is toxic to me, it's so toxic. And guys, it's a miracle I'm here, blood running through the veins, and I'm happy to be here. Like, who would have thought it? Like, I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm six thousand, I'm from six thousand miles away. I'm out in Joshua Tree with a bunch of dudes, you know. And who would have thought that would be my idea of a good way to spend a weekend? You know, it is. I love it. You know, I, something, I, I, I think it's like a grace of God thing that I actually want to be here and I actually want to listen. Like, I, I, I went to, uh, the, the, the mix retreat a, a few months ago and I wasn't present for it and it was a really bad experience for me. It wasn't because of anybody up here. I just wasn't present for it. You know, I was, I was checked out, you know, um, Thank thank thanks thank thank God that I'm I'm conscious of that and I can actually sit in a chair and, and just pray my arse off while this whole whole thing's going down, you know? Because I can't be here without a power, you know, and with a power this is an amazing experience. Um so I I, I um I think I've I've covered like I I've, I've tried to share my experience with the four step and and that's that's where it's at for me right now. at The fourth step, you know, it's, it's 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 uncovering the truth. You know, it's, it's it's helping me see that. And and again, you know, I really can't do it on my own. You know, I need a I need a sponsor who's done it, and I, and I need a, a power greater than myself. You know, because my sponsor's not going to be with me twenty four seven. And um and 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 again, you know, resistance. That's my biggest enemy with the fourth step, you know, is my resistance to it. So um, thank God for steps one, two, and three, um, which put me in a position where I'm like, okay, let's do this. And and again, what you were saying, I mean, pain drives me into this, you know. Um, I really want to go deeper into this thing. So thanks for letting me share.